Okay, welcome to the Mental Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Dunn, co-host Fran Ramsden, and today we wanted to talk about the esports industry. Uh, we started with mental fitness um, for the last two years. We've been working in esports with professional organizations and players, and so we kind of wanted to just take an opportunity to share some of the things that we've learned, um, talk about the industry in general, the gaming community, and uh, where we think things are headed a little bit. Yeah, so um, you're exactly right. You know, when we first started mental fitness, we thought esports was an up and coming industry that uh, could utilize uh, like mental fitness training and the principles that we talk about. And, you know, at the time we were uh, fortunate that, that there was a new organization starting up, up here in Pittsburgh that we were able to kind of get on the ground floor with uh, to a certain degree and, you know, put our services out there and to, to give it like a little bit of a test run. And, you know, gain tons of valuable experience, uh, tons of insight. And the interesting part about esports is it is very insular, meaning a lot of the people that are currently in, in the industry have either all, always have been there or kind of grew up through it or this, that, the other. But there isn't a lot of outside influence, in my opinion. Now, that I think starting to change a bit more with investors coming into the space and things like that. But um, we had the, I think it's an advantage, we had the advantage coming from a non-esports world into esports uh, on the competitive and performance side of things with kind of our mental fitness training. So um, yeah, I mean, it's a super exciting industry. It's it's still, I'm classifying it still as new, even though it's been around for decades, uh, technically. But I still think the upside is in the future. It is not in the past. It's not even today. I think the, the, the real big upside is in the future. You know how far in the future that remains a question i think the industry is is pretty complex and it's wild wild west there's a lot of craziness going on um and uh, i'm excited to talk about this topic awesome yeah um so i just want to point out too yeah this is a industry that has been around for a little while and growing um we are newer to it in that aspect so we don't want to come off as experts we just want to provide the perspective we gain from our experience um and i do agree with you that coming from the outside has been helpful for us um, being able to provide a little bit different perspective I think really that's a major part of what we do um, yeah I agree that it is more of a closed community the gaming community is really interesting um, because it is really you know diverse it covers the globe um, it, it's unique in that aspect but it is also sort of closed you know if you're not in the group um they kind of keep you out you have to they have a lot of inside jokes inside speak things like that um so it is a, an interesting community but one i think that is definitely going to be very influential moving forward in the future um and yet the gaming industry even though it is you know more than two years old more than a decade old it has been growing for a while it does have many better days ahead of it yeah so um i figure we can pick i mean to me this is going to be a very diverse conversation this is probably more so of like a base ground baseline level conversation uh because i i'd like to splinter into a couple different conversational threads you know everything from the business side of it for the investors the organizations things like that uh, the future, I think that, you know, that's an interesting topic, as well as things like uh, player performance, 
uh, casual gamers, streamers, Twitch. Like, there's just like a ton of threads that we can go down. So, pick one uh, to start us off, Mike, and we will get this thing rolling. And you know, again, we do have on Twitter pretty good interact. You know, we try to be very interactive there. Uh, we are mostly, you know, uh, connected and following people in the esports realm. So again, the Twitter handle is at RamsMF. And we're obviously trying to engage there as well. So, all right, done. Where you want to start it off? Yeah, um, let's start with. Might as well start at the beginning with the business side of things. Um, and yeah, I'll just point out again that we'll sort of bounce around a little bit in this topic conversation. Um, anyone listening, if you want us to go deeper into something, let us know, and we'll dig deeper into it. But yeah, let's start on the business side of things and work our way um, into players' performance, and maybe sort of end on that with some tips for players. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, exactly right. I, I want to encourage the same thing because obviously any of these sliver of conversations that we're going to do today could be an entire episode in and of itself. Um, so starting with business, um, we could certainly talk about, uh, you know, there there is a tremendous upside to it. You know, there seems to be a lot of attention, you know, a, a lot of viewers. A lot of people have interest, especially it skews younger. So most people that are younger than 30 years of age either game themselves, watch gaming, watch how to get better at games on YouTube. Like it's very diverse, very popular. But when we talk about esports, we're also talking about the competitive organizational side of gaming. So for those that are unfamiliar, there are essentially... Uh, organizations that you know if it helps you to think of it similar to your traditional sports like the teams so if you take football you know american football you've got like the pittsburgh steelers where we're from right so the pittsburgh steelers is it, again it's not the same but it, it helps with the conversation starter to think of the pittsburgh steelers and for instance uh tsm or phase clan to that those are parallel uh for the most part in terms of the structure so you have these teams that are in esports, and instead of only competing in one game, they compete across various titles. So it would be like if the Pittsburgh Steelers were competing in baseball, football, hockey, soccer, and fielded separate teams for each of those. That's pretty close to what competitive esports is like. And so you've got these handful of, well, it's actually, you have a very vast, a very bountiful, uh, it's almost like it never ends amount of organizations that put themselves into these spaces and try to field teams. And so, like you mentioned in the opening, it's a global thing. So you've got teams from Asia, Europe, United States, South America, pretty much every continent. There are teams that are fielded to compete in these things. And because, you know, the gaming uh, can be done online, you know, you can play teams all over the world. So there's like that is like the tremendous upside of it is that, you know, this is a global thing. There really isn't a global sport. I think soccer is pretty close to it, uh, but it's not like soccer still isn't that huge over here in the you know, U.S. whereas gaming is. So that's kind of like the broad opening to this thing. And then obviously, you know, these teams, these organizations, these, these professional organizations uh, try to get players and fill these rosters to compete in different titles. Yeah, so that's a pretty good, uh, you know, background for everyone. Um sort of what things are like um there are a lot of orgs right now so yeah to give people a little bit more context we are seeing high viewership numbers like you said uh 
it has been building momentum. And so now investors are starting to get involved. They see potential for ad revenue, um, ability to sell merchandise. So things are starting to get more serious. It's, a, it's really incredible that it's grown to this point uh, the way it has as a hobby pretty much right um mm-hmm. yeah. the industry's grown as a hobby for people something that they want to do for fun and because it's built so much momentum and it because it's been so much fun for so many people they've been able to turn it into a profitable business um or potentially so there is a lot of potential behind it right now you're sort of seeing it transition into something that is more professional more business oriented with investors coming in but it's not quite there yet. Um, and investors don't understand the gaming community, the gaming scene. Um, so there's a little bit of confusion right now. Like you said, there, there are countless number of orgs. You and I could each start our own org right now just by saying so. Um, it's that simple. <laughs> so yeah, really. uh, again, to be successful afterwards is a whole different story, which is why you do see, you know... Um, a lot of them not last very long but I think that that's part of the process that needs to happen naturally and things will stabilize um yeah I don't know how deep you want to get into it here uh but so I mean yeah I mean there's definitely a couple highlights that I I want to share and again like you said in the opening which is great is that this is just you know one man's perspective um Part of the thing that we talked about in episode one of the Mental Fitness Podcast is that we are interested in creating conversations and discussions based around truth and the seeking of it. And in order to do that, we you you know in, individuals like ourselves have to go out on a limb and, and risk being wrong about some things in order to further the conversation. If if we don't put ourselves out there on a limb and, and, and share insights and, and ask questions then there's no room for progress. Everybody is kind of huddled into their own corners and they keep their own perspective. So the things that I'm going to say next are kind of, again, a combination of personal experience uh, with a short amount of time, obviously, compared to others. But again, still insights from working. Uh, You know, at one point in time, like heavily invested personally. Like I was very much like I was watching teams play that we were involved with. I was, uh, you know, trying to work around the clock to try to get every little edge we could when it came to their mental fitness training and things like that. And, you know, it ended up coming to the point where we were actually, you know, got to the point where we could, we were negotiating a contract with somebody for six figures. So like, this is a very real thing. This isn't just like, Oh, like, uh, you know, this isn't just me playing armchair quarterback. And then obviously I have, I like the game a little bit, me and Mike play Call of Duty with some other people, uh, so like this is this is an interesting topic for us. So the one thing, a couple of things I, I want to touch on is, you know, it has transitioned from a hobby, a cool thing to do, to now you've got millions and millions, potentially billions of dollars flooded into the space, and it's time now that business acumen gets involved because the one thing that I thought was lacking in a lot of these organizations is common business competence um and i think the numbers back that up you know i've got some data here in front of me from reuters i've got an article from axios and i got an article from esportsinsights.com and they're all essentially the gist of all all of them are is that yes there's all this investment going on but most organizations are in the red losing money month over month with no real 
like reasonable end in sight and for the like the short term and so what's happening is you're having these organizations that you know not only is this a new space esports that they're trying to compete with one another for like talented rosters talented players but they are also competing for viewership and because we talked about there seems to be an endless amount of orgs and you know an endless amount of games and, and it's a global thing it's just hyper competitive so it's very very difficult to get your foot in the ground to strike up some version of a revenue base that is predictable and recurring and what you end up what you end up with is a very bloated expense report you have a lot of expenses when you're running in, a, in an esports organization and not the revenue to match it let alone pay back investors which is something that has to happen you know you don't get to be negative forever you have to actually pay people back and so for me you know if i had to boil it down i, I think it it is a large part incompetence which is a good thing because that means it can fix itself if it was something wrong with the actual structure of esports like for instance i think a much bigger issue would be if there was no interest if there was no viewer interest if nobody on planet earth gave a crap about video games and watching video games that would be an issue to right, <laughs> for right uh in a from an economy standpoint but i think a lot of it is again incompetence what do i mean by that i mean signing players to salaries that have no business making the amount of money that they agreed to in a contract. That's one area. That's just, all that does is, is blow up again your expense report, more money going out the door, and we, we've saw that time and time and time again, multiple organizations, multiple games, that was something that was across the board an issue. And even these bigger leagues where they're talking about Call of Duty League and Overwatch and League of Legends, the salaries are so huge, which on one hand is cool for a handful of people, but very bad for the organizations and other businesses involved. So, again, I think people are just you know, spending money like they don't have to pay it back. You're seeing gaming houses, you know, freaking pools, like crazy stuff, right? Um, and so you've got – I'll wrap up this point by saying I think esports organizations are blowing up their expenses – and they're not even spending on the right things. Like they're spending it on the wrong things. They can certainly, you know, when investors give you money, it is there to be spent. But the goal is to expand your business empire so that you you can create more top line revenue. You pay back. It's essentially just it's supposed to accelerate growth. So instead of taking ten years to become profitable, you can do it in three or four. That's the goal of an investor. But again, what I'm seeing is, and what my my experience has been working here is that people are getting these investments. And they're either like scared to spend it and so then they just slowly deplete themselves of their funds and then they need to go get more investment or they like lavishly spend on things that they don't need to be spending it on. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, I think the main thing that you said there is that what it's being spent on, you know, whether it's being focused on growth or, you know, things that are – Maybe good short-term decisions, maybe not. Maybe you know. I, I think a lot of what's happening is, is they they do understand that it's a long-term play. Um, you know, you need to grow your brand, and that most of these organizations aren't going to survive, and that like traditional sports, you'll be left with <clears throat> a, a handful. You know, thirty teams, whatever organizations that represent in different games. Um, I'm sure there will be some geographical uh, association with most of them. We're already starting to see it with some. 
but I, I do think it's gonna consolidate into a few and so I think organizations are trying to build their brand and be one of the few that survive but I think the problem like you said is what they're actually spending their money on and doing to grow their brand buying teams buying players um, doing short you know things in the short term just to get your name out there I, I don't think is sustainable whereas focusing on what you want your brand to be and then building a competitive and winning team um, is really the way to go and, and again there's different angles some organizations will be more streamer based and fun as opposed to competitive um, and they'll have fans that prefer that but I think it, in the end it's going to be the the organizations that have that in internal culture and don't have to rely on external things. Yeah, and I think it's the important part, right? Like, to me, it's common sense, but I guess it's not to everybody else. Maybe the people that disagree. And again, you hit us up on Twitter, Ramson MF. Um, winning, like, I people are undervaluing, believe it or not, winning in esports. Um, they're not so like okay to give some more insight. When an organization builds out a roster for a game, and so the way it works, again, like I said before, it's like, like let's just use Call of Duty, okay? If you have a Call of Duty team, you're going to field a roster for that game specifically, right? And now that one has progressed so that it's a lot different from the other titles where there's like an official league that the game developer makes, which again, this is why it's starting to get complicated now. Now I'm talking about orgs, now I'm talking about game developers, now I'm talking about professional leagues. Like, it does get a little complicated. Um, but think about it, 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 again, like football is a little more progressed than, you know, something like cricket or frisbee golf, right? So there are some games that are more accelerated down the line of their progression than others, right? But regardless, when, it, when an organization decides to field a team in a certain game, they got to field a roster, which is common sense. Well, when it comes to building that roster, I would recommend they try to build a winning roster. And the reason is a big asset in esports is attention. And people like and want to watch and follow winners. They don't want to follow losers. That's for anything in life. Like, who the heck likes the Cleveland Browns unless you live in Cleveland? You see what I'm saying? Like, you, like meanwhile, we grew up with a whole generation of Patriots fans that aren't even from Boston in that area because they like to watch a winner and they get on the bandwagon, right? So that's essentially what you're trying to capture if you're in esports is what you should be doing. You know, people want to watch winners. They don't want to watch losers. So it, it should be incumbent upon you to do everything you can to build a roster, everything from scouting. Like there's like almost zero scouting, by the way. Like, oh, that guy has a lot of Twitter followers or, you know, oh, that, that, you know, that person I've seen before, so we'll, we'll sign them. There isn't a lot of scouting for new talent, which again kind of hits that point that we talked about where it's like a club and if you're not in the industry, it's really hard to break into and there's a lot of personality clashes and friendships and that seems to be more valued than like actual talent right now, which again is a problem with when it comes to building winning teams. And then the organization's investment in those players, while they pay them salaries that are pretty lucrative, all things considered, they're not helping them in the areas that, that they need to be like training, developing, you know, practice, real coaches, things like that. And, you know, again, any of these top, these individual topics, we could go down a rabbit hole on. But to me, that is the fundamental issue with the rosters is that I kind of feel bad for the players because it's like a mirage. They finally sign a contract to an org. They are professional 
gamer. They now make $2,000 a month playing video games. Amazing. Awesome. And then they're given like virtually no support. There's no system for them to get better. There's no organization. And so essentially they're on their own, kind of like training and putting their own practice standards in place. And, you know, uh, then they have to go compete in this game, which is a high-stress environment. And then when they don't do well, they can be cut and released just like they can in any other sport. So to me, that that becomes the issue. And, and don't forget that that $2,000 salary is for each person. So if it's a, if it's a game where there's four players, that's $8,000 a month of overhead for the organization. And a lot of times these games aren't bringing $8,000 plus back in revenue. So that, uh, that, that to me becomes the big focus in the issue when it comes to like building rosters and teams. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, again, not every team is necessarily going to be winning if they can grow their audience. But like you said, the best way to grow the audience is by actually winning. Um, people aren't interested in one, if the team changes all the time or two, yeah, if your team's never winning, um, it is interesting how little scouting there is and how much roster control they put in uh, the players' hands. Um, oh, yeah. like So just to give people an idea, it would be like for the Pittsburgh Steelers if uh, Ben Roethlisberger was able to select his wide receivers. Like, like <laughs> a lot of times there, there, there is this where – uh, a team might experience some turmoil and there becomes an issue and you know the players go to the organization like yo this player needs to get cut and, they, or, and the organization is like okay and then they do it and then it's like well we want this player to be on our team now okay and then they assign it and so like you're right it's it's again it's almost like the thing i keep saying is the organizations license their name to these individual players and rosters who play under them, but it's really like, it's not, it's not like the Steelers where the Steelers sign you, you're on their team, you go to their practice facilities, they give you things, they give you workouts, they give you staff, they give you coaching, they've got their philosophy about how to win the Super Bowl. Like, you're in their environment, and it's just not like that in esports yet. And it definitely has to go there. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that'll come with the rest of the structure, um, you know, on the business side of things. I think that that'll come with it. Um, it's unfortunate we have to wait for it, but because I do think it's affecting teams and really the industry in general, because it it takes away from the meritocracy, you know, where the best players right. are rewarded. Instead, it is you do get some of that. Oh, hey, this guy's my friend. We get along well. Let's get him on the team. Um, and again, good chemistry is a part of winning, but we want to make sure. That we're encouraging the best players because again that's going to it's going to have ripple effects down to the fans so like we said we're talking about competitive play here but the gaming industry in total is massive and it, it's global and it ranges from 10 year olds up to 50 year olds so there's a huge market for it but not all of those players and viewers are competitive themselves just like traditional sports so, again, not to get too deep into it, but yeah, whenever you have game developers making certain decisions, it's going to affect competitive play, but they're making decisions for a larger market. Um, so they just need to realize, again, that their fans are part of the people who end up ultimately paying the bills, <clears throat> the viewers, and what viewers want to see is competitive play, and that requires the best players 
getting rewarded and right. put on the team. So I think there's a great way for us to kind of transition out of the business side, you know, and get more into the player performance side uh, with a question. And that question is, do you think players know or care about if they take a salary that is unsustainable in the long term, that that actually does more detriment to the entire industry. So I'll give you an example. Let's say there's a certain game out there and an organization decides to sign a team to play that game. And again, as we discussed, I think the orgs are largely incompetent from a business standpoint. And again, I know that sounds harsh, but again, I'm willing to be wrong on that. But overall, I do think it, you know, these orgs, again, they're not made up of business people they're made up of gamers that have accelerated you know like have progressed through their career and are mostly former gamers or former gamer managers like they're not from an outside industry you know they're not like uh uh you know again like a business or economic background you know they're not like a ceo it's more of a hey i used to game i don't do anymore i still love gaming i'm i want to have an org like it's kind of like that so the question is we already I already established, and I'm, I'm proposing, and I'm hypothesizing that because the orgs are incompetent, they don't negotiate well. That's one part of it because they don't understand the business side. They, you know, for a variety of reasons, they, you know, look to acquire a roster, and when that happens, the player, you know, they go after certain individual players, and then a negotiation begins. Well, how much do you pay them? Oh, well, we'll offer this dollar amount per month. And the players say yes or no, and then just like any other uh, negotiation, it goes from there. But what ultimately ends up happening over and over again is I think the player salaries are uh, are bloated. They are too high. It creates a bubble. And they end up signing. Both sides agree to it, though. Both sides agree to it. And that ripple effect, again, happens across the board because just like in, you know, and again, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's fair to continue to compare it to like the NFL. But to me, the NFL is a really, is a really good gold standard of how a professional – uh, competition has organized itself into a very profitable industry. And so I think there's a lot of lessons to be gained and esports would be smart to do that while also having their unique twists. But regardless, just like it does in the NFL, when a new when a quarterback signs a new contract and it's for a new dollar amount level, that sets the bar. And then every quarterback thereafter pretty much signs above that or at it. You know what I mean? Like it resets the salary market. So same thing happens in esports when as soon as one team signs for let's say two thousand dollars a month each, well the next team that signs is going to be asking for that, and so it creates this thing where now all the teams in this certain game are all overpaid. My question is, do you think the players know and or care that by them taking a larger salary that that will do again more harm long term because they're essentially creating a situation where these organizations cannot afford to pay the players themselves. Right. Uh, no, I don't think that's something that they're really considering. I, uh, yeah, this is a good transition point. I, one of the things I definitely wanted to talk about on the player side of things, really, the org side too. But I, I've personally seen it most with the players is thinking too short term. You know, short term thinking versus long term yeah. thinking, and <laughs> really the overall attitude that everyone has about the short term seems to stem from this belief that you know well it might not be here in a year you know it's not that they don't want to think long term but they seem to not trust the long term which isn't good right that's not a good indicator Mm -hmm. that no one trusts the system and they're all trying to cash out now i think is a community 
gaming community, they all need to understand, like you're saying, we need to make this thing sustainable, right? Like, it, that's the dream for all gamers is to have a career in and around video games. And if they want to cash out after a year, that's not good for anyone, themselves included. So right. they need to work together in a way. And again, I, it's a really interesting and unique community to watch because it's decentralized and their ability to accomplish things uh, that they all agree on is pretty incredible. Um, getting them to agree, agree is the difficult part. Uh, but I think really thinking about it long term and trying to build a sustainable community for themselves <clears throat> is what it's going to take. Yeah, right now there's a sense that, you know, there's money in it because there wasn't money before, right? So all these gamers, the, now the dream's real. You know, so many people said that they want to be professional gamers and make a living playing video games and not even just playing. There's so many other job opportunities that are coming as a result of this. Um, they allow you to be around it and people want to cash out on it because they don't think that it's sustainable themselves. Um, and if they keep that attitude and mentality, then it won't be and it will collapse. So I think really it starts with, with understanding and thinking about it long term. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think we can we can wrap this up with the orgs and then get to the player stuff. It, I got one quite or I have um, a little fun question for you: Is what is one tip you would give to organizations right now? So if there are some that are either listening or eventually will listen to this, or you know, when we're talking to ourselves here, what is one tip that you would give an organization, um, assuming the goal is to be profitable from a business standpoint, profitable? So I'll go first. Um, to wrap this whole thing up, um, and again, it's okay if these are like advanced tips. I'm not looking for like a one-liner because that really doesn't help anybody. It doesn't give you know practical tip, you know, practical knowledge or anything like that. Um, so mine would be, you know, I think there's an easy one, which is like try to be better at negotiating salaries for people. You know, which is is basic but uh pretty un uninteresting you know a lot of orgs again i think do ha have like interns too so that's interesting right where like the players are paid they're overpaid and then there's like people working like you said behind the scenes that like are completely underpaid so it's like a really interesting dynamic there but i'll go something a little more interesting and that is i would build out a full training and development system for your competitive rosters so if you're a competitive organization, uh, I, I understand that some of your rosters may be more streamer and more popular than they are competitive, but that doesn't mean that the goal should be, let's not be competitive. The goal should be, let's try to be more competitive than we were. You know, maybe you don't win a championship, but you don't have to come in last either. And so I, I think if you're gonna have an investor give you millions of dollars, which is what the going rate is, you know, there's orgs out there that are easily getting $20 million plus of investments. Um, you should seriously look at building out a training staff and system. So that includes physical fitness because, again, these gamers are going through stresses. Uh, I saw a study once where the impact on their physical bodies was worse than, like, college football because, again, this is not only do they sit a lot of the time and don't move, so they're very inactive and very unhealthy uh, to a certain degree from that, from the nature of the game, whereas football and these other sports are physical. Uh, the mental stress and wear and tear, uh, we all, you know, is well known to deteriorate the body as well. So there's a humongous impact on these players 
uh, from a physical standpoint. So having some version of a health system there where they can train, work up their 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 uh, their strength from posture and muscle and lose fat and have good blood values and things like that, getting proper sleep, all the way up to cognitive performance, which again, I would include mental fitness within, but also things like reading, leadership, development, yoga, meditation, whatever it takes. But again, you want to get these players to come in, you build out a roster, you go from wherever they start to becoming more competitive and with the goal to win a championship. And again, I don't think the way you can do that is by creating some system. You don't just bring people in, sign them to a contract and say, okay, go win it, guys. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes I see orgs making, and it can be easily rectified by just shifting around some of their assets and some of their attention. Yeah, great answer. And I was actually going to mention training and development myself. Um, <laughs> so I think culture really is, is the, the, for the short answer, um, focus on that. Because like you said, you can't, you're not going to be able to buy teams or buy your way into this stuff. Um, because it, it, it is going to take a little while longer um, in order to build something sustainable. Yeah, you need to focus on that. And the point I was going to make about training and development is <clears throat> too quick teams, too often teams are too quick to just cut a roster and replace them and buy a new one, mm -hmm. right? Oh, there's a problem. What do we do? We didn't win that game. Cut, fix, right? To do something. Mm -hmm. And it's not just in esports orgs, unfortunately. It's society in general, it seems. Uh, no one wants to spend the time to train and develop. And it it has a few ripple effects. One, you're constantly shifting things, um, and you, you're probably getting the problems wrong, too, because you're shifting things so much. Investing time in a team, right, more than just the players, the, the people around them, the staff, everything, but investing time into the structure will allow it to grow. You have to have realistic expectations. Again, this comes back to the long-term view, but, uh, Ultimately, I think it's the culture that the organization sets up, that they're willing to have a long-term view, that they're willing to work with players and help them improve and get better. Again, uh, there's always exceptions. There, there are times where if someone's going to ruin that culture, you need to get them off of the team. But I think that's what it's based around, is does that player support or hurt our culture, not what are their stats, you know, how many kills do they have, especially if you're playing a battle royale game where kills aren't the primary focus. So uh, um, I think really it's a focus on culture as opposed to short-term thinking and allowing players to make too many decisions. Yeah, so culture is actually a perfect transition. Uh, and again, folks, this isn't scripted. You know, we're just doing this thing off the cuff. We literally say six o'clock, me and him hop on a call, and here we are. Like, we don't do this whole all day long, plan out this huge thing that we're, we're going to go over and have the perfect answers. Like, this is just real stuff, and uh, this is exciting because I think culture, again, is a, a great answer and a great segue. So, done. In your experience, do players like playing for the orgs that they play for? Like, how do the players view these orgs that sign them? Because when you look at, again, other traditional sports to compare it to, there's definitely, like, a big, big culture difference, like, at, at different teams. Like, you know, there are teams that we make fun of in our society because they always lose and no one wants to go there. And they go there just for the money. Like, they stink. They hate it. And then when somebody goes to a, a good winning team, they always come out and comment, like, oh, this is completely different here. The culture is so different. So how do you think the players view most of these organizations, um, either from a culture perspective or from like a happiness perspective, like the ability to go somewhere and actually enjoy playing 
for that organization if they even see it as them playing for that org versus them playing for themselves? Great question. Um, and to the football comparison, it, it is a good comparison, but it's interesting too that players will leave like successful orgs too and they still may not like the culture like you'll have people leave the patriots and say well you know we won but i didn't like the culture there as much and you know there's a preference to it and there are differences in cultures and again regardless of the players prefer um you can see the results i would say in my experience uh yeah the players and and organizations don't seem to get along um overall and this kind of comes back to the point we said earlier about the gaming community in general they need to be working together more um, to build something instead of trying to use each other right now gamers are using orgs to get their name out there to to give themselves credit uh, build the resume up and to get paid obviously and orgs are doing the same thing they're using the players to get their name out there <laughs> to build their brand and to get mm-hmm. paid um and it's you know that's business right the, the people are acting their own self-interest that it's the way that things work and as long as people aren't ripping each other off there's nothing wrong with it but i think that again it's the attitude of they do want to use each other and don't have the other person's interest in mind um it's not good for the entire community in general Right now, um, I think it's something, I, I think players are at some point to blame, and we've mentioned this with them before, but players, uh, you know, if if you're not concerned about culture, orgs aren't going to address it, right? They're going to incentivize what you're concerned about. If all you ask for is money, that's all they're going to give you. And then when you get there and you realize that that's not going to help you actually win or get better, and either they get cut because they're not good enough or they make excuses and end up leaving on their own um and you know that's not every situation but that's how it can go wrong yeah i mean that that's definitely i think true and you, you know you see it on twitter and obviously you know this some of this comes with the turf because of how many different organizations are out there we talked about there's no unified 30 orgs that are like the bread and butter we are the cream de la crop we're the best we've organized together to make sure that we've created some standards in place yada yada there isn't that and so what happens is you've got a bazillion orgs all over the place and some of the big ones are good some of the big ones are terrible some of the small ones are really good and some of them are absolutely shady so it's 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 it is it's absolutely so it'd be so important to have culture it'd be so important to have culture because you got players that are just trying to get signed somewhere, and then what usually happens is, I, I mean, not usually, but I've seen this more than it should. Somebody posts one of these famous twit longers. Oh my God, this work stopped paying my salary. They stopped doing all this. There's all this shady stuff going on. And, you know, again, uh, these are a little more complex scenarios and situations that, that come up, but it's everything that we've talked about this podcast so far. You have small organizations that don't have investors yet or, or small investments. They get themselves way in over their head with their expenses. And next thing you know, they have no money to pay anybody or do anything. And instead of them being honest and following principle number one, which is truth, and trying to find ways to rectify that, they instead try to sneak and squirm and you know connive their way 
through a tumultuous time and then people find out and they go on twitter and they say this org done me dirty no it was and it's just like you know how many times has it happened before players are like wait a minute this org is going to pay me three thousand dollars a month and i've never heard of them before like you know what i mean like at some point culture trying to cultivate a winning environment needs to needs, needs to start to take place and um you know I'm not sure entirely if that's if that's something that is going to be done here in the near future or if it will uh, be extended out. So I think, you know, something that we can ask, though, is for these players, what do you think are like some of the common stressors or some of the common scenarios that, you know, a gamer is going to have to learn how to handle and cope with if they're going to be successful in any competitive environment? You know, I'm not talking just esports, but even if they're playing casually at home um you know or or they're an up-and-coming team practicing through scrims or if they are a competitive roster what do you think are some common scenarios and stressors that, that they're going to have to learn to cope and deal with <laughs> oh yeah that's a good question um but actually let's get more into depth in that in a separate episode um for the yeah, players i, I don't want to cut them short let's wrap up though with sort of talking about players maybe having to choose between different orgs um because I want to be able to give those guys 40 minutes, too, of, of advice. But if you're choosing between an org, again, yeah, I think start considering more things than the name recognition of the org, right? Like what your friends are going to think. Um, just the salary alone. And, you know, the, you have to consider, That's the one that kills you have me. to consider, you know, is the team actually going to help me win, improve my career? What do you actually want out of it? Right? Is it a six-month contract? What happens at month seven? Players I see right now aren't thinking that far ahead. They're just so excited to be signed by an org. And I encourage them to really take a step back. And actually, Fortnite helped with that a lot. A lot of players did not sign with orgs because they felt it wasn't the best move. And the way that the developers sort of incentivized things, perhaps it wasn't. But really you know considering full picture what is the team going to do for me outside of pay um i think that's one of the most important things that a player can consider whenever trying to choose an org or has multiple offers in front of them yeah i, I think that I, I agree like in to like summarize today like i think you know talking about business and esports you know money is certainly a factor but it, it, it's it's but one and you know sometimes we, we don't even get that right all the time and so yeah i think if, if a player is looking around for an org and they're just concerned with their own money i think that that is a disaster waiting to happen in a lot of scenarios and instead yeah just start starting to to be a little more choosy understand the value i actually think orgs haven't have not demonstrated that they are necessary like i think that that still could play itself out i still think you know, orgs right now, as they sit, do not provide a ton of value for what they do. Now, in the current environment, they're necessary because it's like a middle step, but it's yet to be seen what the players decide to do. If, you know, if the players really understand their value and try to influence orgs to be better and to change and they don't, there's definitely a scenario where the game developers that create the actual game. So like think about Activision or Infinity Ward and these people that make these games can come in, make a professional league and then just get 
players and have like individual investors maybe have a team like that like there's a lot of scenarios which that plays out differently than um an organization being a paramount step so part of that to what you said is the players should just definitely be choosy and they should have some influence when when they're negotiating that they should look for i think they would actually be able to get some things yielded to them that would be that would seem small but would play off big so like again if there was an org that did not have any sort of training and developing and making that part of what you wanted, whether you wanted a personal trainer or a physical fitness coach or a nutritionist, like these are things that I think if, if eventually if they're asked for enough is, is something that, that, that they can win over. And again, that's not just salary. So like, like I, I even think, think about this way, right? If you're, if you're a team and you make $3,000 a month salary and there's five of you, it's 15 grand of overhead. Well, what if you took the player salaries down to uh, 11000 total and there's $4,000 to be spent on a chef or a trainer or three of them. So you can get three different people for that money, maybe a part-time basis. So like there's all kind of cool things you can do, but it does come with some 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 wisdom and some some knowledge and just going through it and, 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 and learning. So I do think that that makes for a good episode. We talked a lot more business in this one, a lot more the financials. We talked about kind of the overarching structures that is esports in the competitive environment. And uh, we definitely need to do an, uh, a future episode here uh, relatively shortly from now on more of the player stuff, you know, things that, that they can do, their skill sets, their character, things like that. Uh, that's essentially what we did when we were working with them is, you know, just give people some more context. We were helping them develop their own character and their traits so they could handle objections in a game. They could handle uh, roadblocks. They could handle situations. They could uh, handle adversity. Things like that, whereas if they weren't trained in mental fitness, if they didn't have the mindset set right and properly, uh, that those things would unravel a team. And that is how you get what is classically considered like choking or they blew it. Things like that usually come uh, sometimes by circumstances, but oftentimes pressure and teams not handling that pressure well. So uh, we will pop out this one, episode two, pretty good. And uh, again, we can be found on most podcasting platforms. That will continue to expand, by the way. So we will become easier and easier to find for the audio version. There is a video version always on the YouTube and Facebook pages. Uh, and that's simply just searching for Rams and mental fitness. Uh, Don, anything to wrap up with? No, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Be on the lookout for the second one. I think we even just drop them both pretty, you know, we can put the same time. I just want to give yeah, people works. a chance, you know, break it down a little bit for the gamers. I want to give them full 40 minutes as well. So yeah, be on the lookout for it. And, uh, we're, leave questions and comments uh, for us in the comment section. Awesome. All right. Thanks. See you.